1: giving out to them that blackness, that black power, that black pushing them to identify with uh, 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 black culture. I think that's what you're asking. It's, it's, I have no choice over it. In the first place, to me, we are the most beautiful creatures in the whole world, black people. I mean, and I mean that in every, every sense, uh, outside and inside. And to me, we have a culture that uh, is surpassed by, 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 by no other civilization, but we don't know anything about it. So again, I think I've said this before in this same interview, I think uh, at some time before, my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them, and I will do it by whatever means necessary.
0: I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, and welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of Intelligent Radio as we ensure the free flow of the opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Good morning to the intellectual outcasts out there. Some of you know last night we had the Mental Dialogue live experience at Urban Grind. Again, I love shouting out uh, Cassandra over at Urban Grind. Thank that queen for allowing us to go live and direct. Been two years since the pandemic. We are back every third Friday. So I just had to open the show highlighting that. Got a couple of special guests on for this morning's discussion. We have the Society's agents, the founders, on this morning's show. And I'm going to introduce both of our special guests. Before we get into the discussion questions, if you are a first time listening, again, I go by Black Socrates. I like to do the show in the form of a question every Saturday morning. The idea is if we take the Socratic method, ask the right questions, maybe we can get to some answers and solutions for whatever we're discussing. But before again, before we get into that discussion, let me introduce um, the Society of Black Agents Founders. We're going to start with Shade Norman. How are you doing, Queen? Thank you for being with us This morning, if you Um, will, say hello to the intellectual outcasts out there and give them a little bit of your background before we get into the discussion question.
2: First of all, thank you so much for having me back. It's been almost a year uh, since I've been on with you, so hello to all the intellectual outcasts out there. I love that. Um, I am Shay Norman, co-founder of Society of Black Agents, uh, my background, a little bit about my background, um, raised in Atlanta, still here. I'm in the insurance industry uh, from a professional capacity. I've worn many hats in this industry over the last almost, almost excuse me, 20 years. Um, because of my experience as a black agent in the insurance space, it was easy for me to join uh, T. Priester, my co founder, uh, in creating SOBA, or what we call SOBA for short Society of Black Agents. Society of Black Agents is really, it comes out of the need for a safe space for Black agents to grow, to connect, and to share best practices because our our role in this country is is not the same role of mainstream, and so when you think about industry and you think about marketing, you think about support and growth uh, for independent folks. We didn't have that. We you know we didn't have what we needed, and so Society of Black Agents was built out of a need. And um, I'll stop there. If you want more background, let me know.
0: Absolutely, yeah. We'll definitely highlight exactly what y'all, what you guys, over are doing with Society of Black Agents a little later in the show. Let me introduce another returning guest as well. My man T. Priester, if you will, King, give a little bit of your specific background, if you will, and we'll get started with this morning's discussion question. But thanks for being on with us again. Glad to highlight Society of Black Agent agents founders. You and and, Shay, so glad to have you on for this amazing opportunity for this deep dive into this morning's discussion. But, again, tell them how long you've been doing this, King.
3: No, good. Hey, first of all, uh, Echo Shay here. Appreciate you having me back on. It's been a little longer for me. It's been, I think, three-plus years since I've been on. So excited about today's conversation. Uh, yeah, I'm T. Priester, uh, co-founder of Soba. Again, we'll talk about that a little bit more but I'm um, also an agency owner. I've been in the industry almost 20 years. Myself, I um, have my own agency here in Atlanta. Uh, Noble, we say we're a solution-based insurance company. And what we do is we help individuals, families, and small businesses protect wealth and grow wealth through insurance products. So I'm um, excited to be here this morning and looking forward to the conversation.
0: No, absolutely. Glad to have both of you on. So without further ado, let's let the cat out the bag for those who didn't see the promotions for this morning's discussion. um, I like highlighting this fact you say it's been three years. For those that don't know, we've been running this thing for seven years trying to get people the right information. But as I mentioned this morning, because I did a quick video for this morning's show, and I just highlighted that ultimately, if you don't think right, you can't act right. And so when we have the motto of all I ask is that you think, sometimes say, well, you know what you're doing on these talk shows, or you just talking? And it's like, no, if we can help people think a little better, they're going to act a little better. And I think this morning's show will be an opportunity for people to put in perspective, in a sense, wealth and what it looks like when we ask the question, grandpa, will I have an inher- inheritance? Grandpa, Will I have an inheritance? So clearly, that's a grandchild, young or old, posing. You know, maybe they was in school or something, and they heard the term inheritance and what it means and what does that sound like and, and, and that type of thing. And they go up to their grandparents and say, you know, will I have an inheritance? And so um, great opportunity to dialogue about what that looks like and specifically in our community. And we have, uh, again, the perfect guest to get into that discussion. So we're going to start the way we always start. Um, Shay, I may have asked you this a year ago. We wasn't doing this three years ago, T, so hopefully you can follow suit, but we're going to start with the queen. Shay, if you will, um, we're going to go to a break here pretty quick. So all I want to know is when you saw the question worded specifically that way, what was your first initial thought? It, may, it could be a short thought. It could be, you know what I mean, but don't get into the second thought. Just the initial thought when you saw the question worded specifically that way.
2: Wow.
0: Not many kids are going to ask this question. All right. That's the I love first thing it. I thought. I love it. I love it. T, same initial thought because I know you and I kind of discussed putting this show together and I, you know, I kind of fought real hard with what I was going to name it and I kind of sprung it on you as well. So when you saw it yeah. worded specifically that way, what thought? popped in your head, you know, even different than our discussions, just that particular question.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, not surprisingly, actually very similar to Shay. Um, I, I would like for this to be more of the normal conversation in our community because unfortunately I don't think it is.
0: Now I love that thought. I, I didn't I didn't realize that would be the thought. The thought makes sense that y'all both thought that. And, hey hey I think it, it fits into what I was saying as we were about to break. It fits into the concept of when I say you can't act right if you don't think right. And so even in me coming up with this question, I didn't think about, wow, this would be a great question if more people were asking it. And that's what I hear in y'all, you know, first initial response, that that's almost a way I would like to open this show for anybody listening. Like, let's have this dialogue and what would it take to encourage our youth, if you will, or young people to even ask this question because then it would force families to think about a lot of what they're going to hear about today. So I didn't even realize that the question would give y'all that thought, but I think it can kind of serve as, if you will, an underlying thing for part of today's conversation could be encouraging anyone that listens to go ask their grandparents this and if that makes sense, I, again, I didn't even think, see it that way, but I think it could be an underlying thing if that makes sense. But with that said, let's go to our initial break, and we'll come back, get hot and heavy, and open up the phone line so that others can ask questions about this topic, uh, you know, to our experts. Again, we got two long-time full, lots of experience in this area when it comes to leaving inheritances and what it looks like. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. All I ask is that you think For so the lo- callers that are on the line If you decide to get in You do have to press 1 If you're just listening, no problem We'll be right back
4: Hey Smith Where you find that Prince final of the times on vinyl at Real talk, you got a dope vinyl collection What, you been collecting them like over the years or
0: something? No, actually I just started my collection my man Tobago over at DBS Sounds, he be hooking me up. You remember DBS Sounds? On the south side, they still around? I figured most of the record stores in Atlanta be closed by now. Hey, vinyl is the new wave, and DBS Sounds got the best collection in town. You can still go there and flip through vinyl. They still got CDs and mixtapes, too. Let me check their IG page at DBS Sounds ATL. They still be having artists in stores and everything. Hey, you want to run by there? Hey, man, I ain't got time right now. I got to go back to Cali tomorrow, but I might have to catch them next time. A oh, nah, you good. Even when you get home, you can just shop at their online store at DBSSounds.com. They'll ship directly to you anywhere in the country. Matter of fact, jump on DBSSounds.com on your phone and order straight from there. Word? Hey, I'm about to get my music game up. Hey, what's their address in case I get a chance to swing by there? I'm going to pick up that new Kendra Lamar CD. Oh, they at 6604 Highway 85 Riverdale, Georgia. Bet.
5: We got to recognize that wealth is intergenerationally created. Most people who get rich don't get rich in a lifetime. Oprah, that's once in a while. Bill Gates, that's once in a while. Most people are intergenerational wealth. That means what? That if black people want to catch up, we have to start saving wealth and passing it to the next generation. Our biggest problem ain't that we're splurging. Is that every time we splurge, we're stealing from our descendants. You're giving them no inheritance to get started with. But the white child, they're starting out $100,000 plus, a million a million dollars plus. And I think we have to become more strategic in the way that we do our health plan as well as our life insurance plan. Because what I'm learning with a lot of these white folks, a lot of them are getting their first, uh, uh, what you want to call a shock of wealth, through the life insurance policy of their parents. So there's so many different strategies towards wealth that we're not even thinking about. Because black people, our selfishness It's also based on our What you want to call it, emergency consciousness Survival instinct We're only one about our life We do not think about those who come after us
0: Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show I'm your host, Montoya Smith A.K.A. Black Socrates This morning's discussion question Grandpa, will I have an inheritance? Our special guest founders of Society of Black Agents, Shade Norman, as well as T. Priester. Normally, I start with the queen, but T. You were the one that sent me that cut. I would seen it years before as well. Definitely intrigued by it. That was Umar, Umar Johnson, given his perspective. And he kind of even, if you really paid attention to what he was saying, was saying, what I'm learning is he said, what I'm learning about these white folks, a lot of people are getting their initial start if you will, with, you know, insurance, if you will. But um, you sent this knowing that we were preparing for this show. So I wanted to kind of hear your, in a sense, your thought process, even in, again, correctly, something that we needed to use today, but just your thought process in wanting to share it today. And then we'll get Shay's thoughts on that same cut.
3: Yeah, I've seen it a few times myself. And I love how he pointed out that other races – have been using life insurance to build wealth for generations, right? And unfortunately, in our community, although we buy life insurance at the same rate, if not more than other races, unfortunately, we don't buy as much as they do. I think statistically they say we buy on average about a fourth of what they buy in coverage. And typically the type of coverage we focus on is burial insurance so that's a great start because again you know it provides something to pass down to your heirs if you pass again depending on the amount but there's so many other ways to use it so i think some of the strategies that he's talking about is not just about you know finding that burial insurance there's insurance you can buy that covers your income right uh, we say anywhere from five to seven years you know, have coverage to take care of that Um also, we, we talk a lot now about being your own banker. So there's other opportunities to grow cash value in life insurance policy. So for me, I think it's a conversation that we need to have more in our families and looking at the different types of insurance, especially in our community, again, because for so long we've just been taught about burial, and that's only one side of life insurance.
0: Well, absolutely. Shea, I don't know if you've heard that cut before, but, Your thoughts specifically and, you know, again, sharing what Umar Johnson had to say in his, in a sense, discovery of how wealth is being built in other races or cultures, if you will. Go ahead, Queen.
2: Well, the thought, I mean, it's similar. I mean, we we got a theme here. Um, T and I, I'm sure, are going to have similar comments on on several of these points, but I'm going to bring out a different aspect of I agree with Umar. Um, There are a lot, there's so much to be desired by way of conversations in our families as it pertains to not only life insurance, but tracking and planning toward having what you want. See, because of so many different factors that you get into on a normal basis on this show, financial insecurity is really, really prevalent, you know, in our community. A lot of times we have, so T talked about we don't buy as much insurance as others. That's one thing. But another thing that I see happen far too often is we just aren't doing the right thing. We're just not using our money correctly. We have the money to be able to purchase more insurance. But I think when you are generally financially insecure, you don't spend your money as efficiently as you should. You don't pay attention to it as much. You don't have that hands-on relationship with your money to say, okay, these are the buckets that I need my money to go into and pertaining to generational wealth or intergenerational wealth. As Umar said, this is how I'm tracking toward it. This is what I'm putting toward it. These are the types of products, including life insurance, um, that is going to help me track toward that. Um so I, it's, it's multiple reasons as to why that is, and I'm going to take it a step further and say it also starts with the agent that helps to explain the different options, the difference between burial insurance and, um, you know, insurance that actually can make you money and also, you know, have a death benefit, things like that, to really dig in and see what this family has, what they need, what they do understand about life insurance, fill in the gaps about what they don't, and help them track toward um, those goals.
0: Now, sounds good. We got a couple of callers that want to get in, so I'm going to get them in. For the listeners out there, if you're online, the number to get in is 646-787-1691. Again, that's 646-787-1691. You do have to press 1 to let us know you want to speak. Got an unknown number here. You are alive. If you're hearing me, you're alive on the air. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion or question. Thanks for being with us.
4: Hey, what's up, man? Yeah, this is Naj, and I'm in
0: Chicago. What you got for us, Naj, out of Chicago? Thanks for calling in.
4: Uh, Indeed, indeed. No, man, this is an interesting conversation, and – from the expertise from your two panelists, I think they're going to be able to cover a, a huge amount of of, of uh, the field here that's kind of not talked about enough. Because when we talk about black folks, we typically don't use class distinction. So the people who they're talking about, the, the black middle class or close to, as far as black working class, the people who can afford these type of insurance uh, policies and things like that, a lot of them, once they get the information, oh, they're ready to roll. But the majority of our people, of course, we're talking about the working poor. These are the people who have to make decisions when it comes to any type of spending. And and the one thing I would kind of push back on is I, I think they are extremely efficient uh, with their money. The problem is there's not enough of it. So that's how we get you know the stories from like my era, 80s, 90s, where you had the insurance salesperson going door to door, you know, in poor neighborhoods, selling policies that weren't necessarily good and didn't really pay off. And, you know, you'd have hell and high water trying to run those people down to try to get your money from them. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, that's a relic of old times now, you know, the industry is totally different as as you see the examples from the, uh, the two people on your panel. But ultimately, man, I, I don't think we have enough discussions about class amongst black Americans. So, a lot of the problems that black America is facing financially, especially ones that the white community is kind of solved by uncle sugar, (laughs) big government intervention, uh, you know, from social security to everything else. You guys listed in that Brookings, uh, that Brookings article, uh, it it becomes a different discussion when you look at it through those terms. So, you know, there has to be some type of government intervention. I think uh, the authors that were in that article Sandy Darity, Derek Hamilton, and Trayvon Logan. You know they've talked about this for decades. You can find white right. paper after white paper discussing right. how government intervention has to uh, has to has to be uh, discussed when you're talking about closing this racial uh, black racial wealth gap. But again, your two panelists who are going to be here telling black people what they can actually do now actionable you know items that black folks mm-hmm. can actually do. That's an important part of the discussion, too. So I, I think it's a two-tiered discussion, and somehow we have to make sure we keep those those things separate and not make it into a catch-all where we're right. presenting as if, you know, these are things the average 40-hour uh, working-class black person can do.
0: Now, I love it. Say your name again, brother. I, I love everything you're giving us here right now. What's your name again, brother? I'm sorry. Oh, it's Naj, man. We, we no, I just people. want to make sure I refer to you correctly and to highlight that I, I think everything you're saying is absolutely valuable. I would agree with your specific pushback uh, when you, again, it, it, clearly you're studying some of the same things that I'm looking at, um, you know, and I highlighted one of the Brooklyn studies, if you will, even for this, you know, promotion. And so, yeah, I agree that um, people with less money are way more efficient than people realize Um, And a lot of times, really out of necessity, it's not a, you know, a lot to go around. And um, every now and then we look at whether, you know, there's human nature to where people have vices. And I just want to bring this concept in very quickly, not to go too deep with it. But humans have vices, and there's no one has gotten wealthy without their vices. So sometimes people will look at the vices of those who have the lease and be like, why do they have that vice? No, the same reason you have a vice. And at one time you might not have had as much money as you have, but you're doing well now. And along the way you figured out the money, even with that vice. So just a little quick thought, just to highlight that I agree with you a hundred percent wholeheartedly that those with the least are pretty efficient with their things. At least that's what the numbers have shown me as well. So I appreciate that thought moderately, brother. So appreciate you uh, just so you know, cause you are a first time caller. And when I let you go, you can, if you will, come off the one because I'm just based on what your information, if you want to come back on, you can hit the one again and we'll get you back in. We'll family-oriented show so you can come back on more than once. But I appreciated what you had to say, Notch.
4: Okay. Thanks, brother.
0: Now, I appreciate you. I'm going to go ahead and go to another caller before I let y'all respond to him as well since they're already getting in here. Area code 407, last three four hundred. I think this is my... One of my queens of intellect, member Ashley. Am I right? I hope I didn't get this person wrong. Good Ashley,
6: morning, you? y'all. Hey, hey, what's
1: up,
0: Queen? Hey, so hey, 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 Oh, yeah, I know you was busy this morning. I'm gonna keep you on this thing till you gotta go. Now you know me; I will let you. Get I know. On I, this I thing. only got twenty minutes. I only okay, got twenty, well, I'm gonna
7: 20 minutes, take 20 but I'll be here. Up. I'm gonna take all the <laughs> them. Go ahead, Queen. So I just want to come on first. Y'all know this conversation so near and dear to my heart, so important. And um, I, I just want to push back on the last caller. Like when we talk about poor, when you talk about life insurance, If you can't do anything else, you need to get life insurance because all you are doing is perpetuating the cycle of brokenness and not having enough and a scarcity mindset in our community. If you can afford to go get some scratch-offs a couple of times a month, if you can eat out a couple of times a month, then you can look into a term policy for enough to make sure that your house gets paid off, that your car gets paid off. Because once you pass away, those obligations fall to your family to try to secure, to make sure that everything keeps going the way that it should. And if we are not taking care of those things, if we are not making sure that the house is paid off once you pass away or that the only car that our house uses is paid off and is titled correctly, you set it up that your kids, your, your husband, your partner, whoever, now they're having to repeat the exact same cycle that you were going through because there was no protection. Life insurance for our community should not be optional. It should not be we're just relying on the ones that we have at work That's stick. I'm happy that it's available for you. But in order for us to move forward as a community, one, not only do we have to keep having these conversations, but two, it should be a requirement that we have for each other, a standard that we are holding each other to, to get life insurance, because financial insecurity is a very real thing. People will walk around and, I I don't know how much I need. Let's do the math. That's what these insurance agents will do. They're going to ask you questions to figure out what's an amount that you can afford to get right now. Uh, Listen, it's not optional for us. We don't have time. We don't have the money to stop and not having these policies in place because this is how we create generational wealth. And I don't care if you got to get with your entire family for y'all to pull $5, $10 together and get a policy paid for for your family but this is what we have to do we have to come together because that's the only way we're all going to pass away wouldn't it be so beautiful if every time someone passed away we honored loved, and cared for each other by leaving money not just enough to bury you and put you in the ground and make sure that everything was okay but to make sure that you're not going to worry about how the lights are going to stay on now because this person is gone or how we're going to get to and from work because this person is gone no we're going to set each other up for success by getting something that we need it is not a want it's not good to have we need it
0: i love it let me throw this out. now let me throw this out to you real quick because everything's context um absolutely love your passion everything you're saying i i'm assuming t and shay would agree with it is a necessity that is the message that needs to go forward i will add a little context in um, how you heard last, brother, because I agree with him in this sense, and I'm, I'm pretty sure he's meaning it in this way. Um, he was making more of a reference point of there's an assumption of how careless those with the lease are with their money. That's kind of a different context. It's not, a, it's not providing a, an excuse to not get insurance. And I still thank you for that passion. You're still right. So I'm not saying that. The answer is always in the middle. I just think he was just referencing a, a common thought. And he wasn't trying to provide an excuse and as he said this conversation is needed because now we can have people like you say look it don't cost you but two scratch-offs it don't cost you but two meals and that sometimes is just a matter of knowledge and that's what we're doing today so just giving a little context so i definitely appreciate that i don't think he was providing an excuse in my opinion um Shay will um Start with you. your brother wants to get back in. We'll get him back in in a second. But Shay, we'll start with you in response to the brother or what Ashley had to say. Go ahead, Queen.
2: First of all, I really just, I just really appreciate Ashley. Um, Like you said, in her passion, everything she said was spot on and everything the brother said definitely um, is impactful. But here's what I want us to really hone in on. Yes, there are definitely differences. Um, If you want to use the word class-wise, class um, there are differences. You know, there are many subsets of who we are as a people. But one of the things about financial insecurity, it happens on every level. And I will tell you that I have been in homes where I, I literally have taken someone from eating cat food to being able to understand insurance products that will take that burden off of her. She was eating cat food to pay for medications and different things that she thought she needed to, you know, she thought she needed to move that way. She was being efficient, but she didn't have the correct information. So it's like sometimes, you know, I mean, you don't have a choice to be efficient with your dollar when you are limited. The more limited you are, If you have a sense for survival, if you have responsibilities, if you have children, if you have parents, yourself, that you you understand you are responsible for, you're going to be as efficient as possible. However, again, I'll say a lot of times it will start with the advice you're getting or not getting. And financial insecurity, unfortunately, stops people a lot of times from even seeking that advice. And so it's about a mental shift. It is about a whole Mental shift with what you do with your resources at every level. There are insurance products to meet you at every level, but if you are efficient with the wrong information, You know, when somebody comes and tells you, "Hey, you don't have to eat cat food. Let me free up two hundred dollars. You live alone, so two hundred dollars is going to get you what you need to give you the food and the nutrition you need to live a healthier life." You know, like a vicious cycle in this Mm -hmm. one household. But I changed that for that person forever because I took the time to educate her to show her. Let me jump in. Let me jump in because we're
0: up against the break. We're up against the break. So I love. Like, like, to me, Shay, what you just said is the key dialogue to uh, even what we were discussing, you know, whether it's the bottom end or the top end of the class, if you will, right? It's it's the education part that I love, and that's what makes you such a great agent, because you know I'm always saying agents that are dedicated to our community, that's how they need to think, because as you said, if someone's efficient with the wrong information, that's the only reason they're not doing, not to look down on those persons saying they're wasting their money, because mm-hmm. sometimes they just don't know, and that's what you are able to do and help her, because I know with that type of education, we can move people forward, and that's exactly what you did. Let me go to this break, and let me highlight what this break is. This is Tone Talks breaking down an assessment of where our community is. And I think this is very necessary because we make assumptions about where our community is and sometimes come up with solutions that apply to the wrong assessment of where we're exactly at. So these are some numbers from about five to eight years ago. So they are a little dated, but it hasn't changed a lot. So I just wanted to give that highlight before I go to the the comments by tone talk. We'll be right back. All I ask is that you think.
8: But we come back to the reason we can't see this is because they cloak it in Jay-Z and make it seem like it's not just cool, make it seem like it's not just an access avenue for wealth. They make it seem like it's okay. This is the game that Jay-Z has played for corporate wealth all throughout his career, whether you know it or not. Their whole psyche is based on something that's just incorrect by every sense of the financial data. So – Moving, moving along. What which, which, which you find is that the next. So, if you were to look at America across, take all the families across 100 percentiles. So, like you know, the 50th percentile is the key, because the bottom fifth, from the 50th percentile family to the 90th percentile family, that section, that section of American families has about 25 percent of the wealth. Percent of the wealth, but we're really not part of that group either, African Americans. We're a very small part, small section. We're maybe about 2% of that that 25%. Our whole race, almost our whole race is in the bottom 50th percent and not even at the top level of that bottom 50th percent. You know, I've shown you that the middle black family is worth $1,700, and I don't think that you really grasp what that means in terms of, like, how crazy we are in terms of the dreams we have versus the wealth level we have. I don't think that you're really digesting how this what this means for black families that are under say the age of 40, 45 cuz basically the small group that is in the in the 50th to 90th percentile are mostly all boomers. This isn't like young blacks. Young blacks have been cut out of the American dream. And so like when when I when I start to say this, I'm going to lay it out in data. I'm pulling up a chart that shows you to get in the top fifty percent of America, the ticket in is is about eighty-five to a hundred thousand dollars and worth, and worth. Not earnings, not income. Worth. The middle black family is worth seventeen hundred dollars though. There's only so. So if you look at this thing in terms of like numerics, there's fourteen million black homes. That's it. There's forty million blacks. We live in fourteen million homes. There's about 180 million whites, and they live in 80 million homes. Eight million of their 80 own almost everything, like 75% of the pie. So for us, of the 14 million black homes, only 2 million are above the 50% like <laughs> mark line. That's it. That is all. Just 2 million black homes are above the 50% mark line. Almost our whole race is in the bottom half of America, the part that only owns 1% of the wealth in this country. The black race is largely made up of black people that don't have any money. Now, what, what's the trip is that black people have not really digested it and adjusted their habits, their demands, or anything because they really believe that they have the means that white people have.
0: Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question, Grandpa, will I have an inheritance, our special guest, Society of Black Agents founder Shay Norman, as well as T. Priester, I got one of my Queens of Intellect member Ashley on for a few minutes here, as we hear Tone Talks break it down. I don't share that data for doom and gloom, as I said before. I'm sharing the data; it's a true assessment of where we're at, and none of it. And again, even though that's five to eight years old, I forgot to look up exactly when when that was put out by Tone Talks. Um, prior to show so forgive me for not being exact on the time frame um but we have about 45 million um african americans in the country now and he had quoted that when there was 40 million so it's definitely some it's a little dated but the overall numbers have not changed percentage-wise since that time i can say that again this is not for doom and gloom it's uh what i consider the part at the end where he mentions we haven't adjusted our habits because we Basically, what he, in my opinion, what he was saying is we assume we have more money than, than we actually have. And the reason that matters is because, in order to listen, in my opinion, to a passionate Ashley, to listen to what Shay and T are going to talk about today, we really need to understand exactly where we're at because, as Terry Simmons, who often brings on the show, there has to be a generational sacrifice. To really get it and we won't do that if we keep assuming as a culture that we have more money than we have and then we can address what Ashley keeps talking about those habits that are not beneficial. So that's why I feel like knowing where we're at getting exact data and assessments of where the culture is will hopefully wake some people up to the need to sacrifice, if you will. T, you haven't talked in a second, so any thoughts to me again, sharing the data? You know that's my style. Just, you know, make assessments yeah. of the data. The data doesn't mean it's exactly what it is. It just gives you a viewpoint that you that adds context that, in my opinion, is often lacking from a lot of these discussions. Your thoughts, King?
3: Yeah, so I love what Tone said. I love everything from the last few guests you've had on. But to his point specifically, over the last couple of years, when it comes to digging into the financial numbers, I focused more on our community because, to his point, a lot of times when you hear these statistics or you look at these numbers, if you don't break them down, you can think that we have more than we actually do. Right. So, a lot of times I would look at, you know, what the average family has, you know, the average amount of income assets or whatever, but until you break that down by race, you really don't get an understanding on how different those numbers look for us than it does for other communities. So I really appreciate what Tone did there with those numbers, again, because there are a lot of people thinking that we as a community do have more than we do. So back to what Nas was saying, you know, when you talk about the different classes, Um, You know, my experience, I work in Atlanta right now um, from low-income areas to, you know, I have some high-net-worth clients in Atlanta as well. And, you know, typically having those conversations is completely different, obviously, depending on the house. But I think Shay or Ashley said this, I'm not sure. Um, A lot of times when you do some repositioning in low-income communities, you do free up. Mm-hmm. some finances for additional opportunities is mm-hmm. really, and I think this was Shay about the mindset, right? So if you can if you can get them to open up to have a conversation where they're willing to expand the way they think, then they find opportunities
1: to move some things around
3: and do the things that they want to do. So, you know, to Naza's point, yeah, we do have to look at where people are, you know, as far as class, but there's it doesn't mean we have to pigeonhole them into that segment when i no, first fair, started in atlanta no i was going to say when I, when I first started in atlanta a lot of my, my my big money came from a lot of those low-income areas because these were retirees you know that had some real retirement money sitting in the council they didn't know what to use, how to use or what to do with and again just they, they just wanted to kind of put it under their mattress and just let it die but once we started having conversations, expanded their mindset, they saw opportunity. So, you know, and I think Ashley said something else. I wrote it down here. Um, I can't remember that point, so I let it go. I just stop with Nas and, and responded to the Tone right there.
0: Nah, fair enough. I'm gonna let Ashley jump in real quick, Shay, because I know she's not with us that long. Um, a couple of more thoughts, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm 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 being very nuanced right here. So just hopefully y'all can hear. The nuance that I'm that I'm focused on when I when I highlight this, again, I'm because I'm so into the data and I know where Naj got some of that from. So and I'm gonna let this brother get back in because he wants to get back in as well. And I don't think that I, the, the nuance that I'm going is um, in him mentioning what he mentioned. I don't think he was necessarily making a point. As much as he was just highlighting in a sense a little bit of what the data shows and that data wasn't to say there's no money or that those people will not do these things because i i'm pretty sure he's in complete agreements with the idea that you can educate and change the mentality and that's the whole point of this show all i ask is that you think can we ask people to start asking these questions so that we can think about these things so I'm just kind of being real nuanced. I'm not hearing him in the way I think some of y'all y'all are hearing him. Just kind of throwing it out, just for a nuanced approach. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just throwing that in. Um, go ahead, Ashley, uh, and then we'll get to Shay, and I'll let Nas come back on as well.
7: Yeah. So um, I, I think like my stance is coming from the fact that like I've literally had conversations trying to convince people to put one dollar into their four hundred one k, and I understand that no matter someone's income level, um, to Shay's point, like people suffer from financial security at any level, right? One of the things we used to say is regardless of income, regardless of income, right, six figures, below that, 70% of people live paycheck to paycheck, okay? So, like, I, I, I think I was a little triggered by the conversation because, I know that people that don't make a lot of money manage their money. They have to. They have to be efficient. It's not something that's optional for them. But those same people, to your point earlier, have vices. They will buy cigarettes. They will buy fast food or do all of these other things. And I'm not knocking it, right? We all have to have balance. If if that is your burden that you have to budget so much that you can't afford anything else, I, I need people to understand that life insurance is not optional for us. We are all going to die. Not one of us is going to live. <laughs> We're we not talking Bible ages when they was like, oh, 900. No, we not living there. Like, we'll be great between the stress and the society that we live in if we make it to 90 or 100 years old. But simply for that fact, we have to protect each other We have to protect ourselves We have to protect our community And life insurance is an Essential part of that Foundation and no one No one gets a pass On that not no one in my Book not I love single it, I love, person it. Gets a pass.
0: I love it I love it and, and, uh, and again I Respect it as you said him bringing that Triggered a little bit and I And she's heard me say this a million times and I hope She'll back me up on this I always just say, just teach. And so, what I mean by that simply is, it is a requirement. It is necessary, and I think we can convince, as Shay did with that sister with the cat food situation. We can. It ain't. I'm not saying it's easy to convince. That's not what I'm saying. But you just teach what they need, and it doesn't have to be a conversation of, "But you're doing this," or you know, "We're not." Or it it doesn't matter. We could just teach. That they need, and I think that's this conversation is going to do some of that. Go ahead, Shay.
2: I was really looking forward to hearing another comment from the brother, but what I what I will say to so you to so the point you just made.
4: Oh, I have brand
2: new so something in the right. background. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. Um, I'm sorry about that. So yeah, no, it's not just about teaching them what we need. There has to be not even a shift in the way that we're talking about the whole consumer experience. And I'm not talking about, and the way we're couching it in this conversation is, quote, unquote, the black community, right, which which has so many different facets and nuances. But when we talk about, let's say, agent to consumer, it's more than teaching them about what they need, right, it's a shift in the way we work with people as agents, as financial advisors, as people who are uh, in the community space who are doing financial education. We have to shift the way we view our interaction, like the the quote-unquote needs analysis, um, what it is you cover in a conversation about a person's needs. If we approach these conversations differently, And I see insurance companies um, understanding in some ways by some of the products they use. I work in the uh, Medicare market specifically with seniors and disabled. And the way in which those plans are evolving, even some of those companies understand that these plans, these insurance products have to be different. T can probably speak more to the life side, but, as life evolves, as, as we evolve as people, these plans change. It's our conversation. It's the way in which we assess what someone one needs and the way we gather information. Sometimes some of the questions I ask have absolutely nothing to do with the insurance itself, but
1: absolutely.
2: if you are working with, if you are really talking about being in the community, it's not an agent customer experience. It is a I care about your well-being. I do know the numbers. I know that we have to sacrifice right now. You have to come with all of that realization. It's sobering, but as an agent or as someone who calls themselves an advisor, a fiduciary, you got to look at this thing different. It's not just about checking off boxes to see if this product works. Um, No,
0: absolutely. Let me go to another break. Sorry about that, too. Now, let me, and and, and, uh, and me not being an agent, my just teach is everything that you just said. So I love it. And I knew that that's how you deliver it. And that is the challenge, is because when you take that type of care, you can help with the actual mental shift that actually gets them to now do things that are smart. So that's what I simply mean by teach versus having the mindset, oh, they're not going to do it because of this or that's an excuse. Like, just leave that part out and do exactly what you just mm-hmm. said. Say is really all I'm trying to offer when I say that should be the approach all the time. But I even hear people in the industry complaining about some of what we're talking about today. And I'm just like, you take the right approach. You ain't got to waste no time complaining about or assuming that, They're being careless. Just teach and take the approach that you just talked about. That's my encouragement to anybody in the industry, same as yours. We'll be right back listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Naj, we'll get to you first coming out of this break.
9: Do you need marketing designed specifically to compete in today's digital age? Well, look no further than Amore Edge Digital Business Solutions, a marketing agency that's well-equipped to provide solutions to the challenges faced by businesses looking to acquire and retain customers in today's ultra-competitive marketing world. Whether it's video creation, website or logo design, mobile app development, social media and email marketing, or e-commerce design and development, Amoreg Digital Business Solutions has the answer. Visit them at AmoregDBS.com. That's E-M-O-R-E-J-D-B-S.com. Or call 864-221-3632. That's 864-221-3632. Amore's Digital Business Solutions. We're the solution to your marketing challenges.
0: Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guests Shade Norman and T. Priester from Society of Black Ages. We have a caller, Nage, out of Chicago on the line. For the caller that just got in, you do have to press 1 if you're trying to get on this morning to ask a question or make a comment. Uh, We'll go to Naj. Before I open up the line, Naj, I'll just highlight this and have you think about this very briefly. Uh, I really respected the idea of it being a two-tier conversation. I will ask that today's focus is on the side that we're talking about, because I do agree, based on the overall numbers. yeah, I know you're referring to reparations. I just want to highlight that's just not the conversation today. We've done it plenty of times, so you are right. Today is the focus on the teaching individuals what they need to know. I just wanted to give you that preface before you came back on. All right, brother, you live in
4: 3D. What you got for us? It, yeah, reparations can wait. But but look, I I'm an, I'm an old person, so I take the old school approach. Uh when there is miscommunication in the conversation, the error is on the speaker. So, just so we're clear, I 100% agree with them about life insurance. I think everybody mm-hmm. should have it. I think it should be a huge investment uh, on the part of our community into life insurance. So, so we, we all do agree upon that. That, that was definitely not my uh, my point <laughs> in what I was saying earlier. I was trying to get to the other tier of the conversation. The host wants to keep it in this tier, and I agree. We've done the reparations thing to death, so, let, you know, let's stay there. I, I agree with you on that. And it hasn't been so done to it, death. We're just there. doing one tier today is all I'm really saying. No, seeing. no, no. We're going to get on reparations
0: in the future as well. Just throwing it out. But go ahead, King.
4: Indeed, indeed. So so the, the point I was trying to get to, and, and I think uh, Dr. Jared Ball covers as well, his book, uh, The Myth and Propaganda of Black Buying Power.
9: Mm-hmm. Really
4: good book. And the purpose of the book is not for doom and gloom or to tell people, oh, they they can't exactly. do something. The point is to give them the reality of the battlefield that they're facing. And exactly. to me, that's a much more effective way of handling anything. So I agree. let's take the city of Atlanta because we've got two people who are, are based in Atlanta. Take the city of Atlanta. If we were to go from apartment complex to apartment complex where black people actually are, and I'm talking about regular working-class black folks, if we were to do a door-to-door audit on those apartments and say, hey, wait a minute, let's, let's see if everybody here makes three times the rent. How many black folks would be evicted that day? And then when we talk about working-class black folks, what we're really dealing with is uh, a shock uh, shock budget, basically uh 40-hour uh, – <laughs> 40-hour-a-week working black folks, they get the text message, hey, DeAndre is about to graduate next week. Uh, we're sending out cash outs for DeAndre. Boom, the person allocates that money for the for the graduation. Uh, Lakeisha, uh, who has her first apartment, who somebody co-signed on to help her get that apartment, hey, Lakeisha's going to need some help with her car payment this month. Uh, what can you throw in on the cash? The person says the cash out. It, it's the constant shocks to their uh, to their meager their meager budget that always throw it into flux to create the situation that that people were talking about earlier uh, the insecurity the scarcity and more than a mindset it's actually a reality that people have to deal with and most of it is is solved by community hey I can't pick up the kids call John he's gonna pick up the kids and he's gonna drop them off at Auntie Cheryl's house and then when he gets off work or she gets off work they'll pick them up at six you know what I'm saying it's the community uh in mm-hmm. all of our, in all of our families that 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 solve these problems and, and that's you know that's typically what we do so when i came in i definitely wasn't pushing back against life insurance i think it's one of the tools that we're going to have to use to get to where yeah, we that's the whole dialogue today i'm i'm right so so i'm on, i'm Right so I'm I'm on board 100% with the life insurance uh life Nine insurance seconds. idea. I was just talking about okay. Now we got you, we got you, deal you. We with this? Ahead.
0: Hey, absolutely and oh. since you're on board let's continue this conversation today. Okay. And thank you for that clarity. Um absolutely and I, I I feel like I understood you from the beginning again you wasn't offering it to Alfred as an excuse it's just as I said by sharing tones numbers we don't often make a good assessment of where we're at, and I think we can have a better solution once we understand that. But those assessments are not excuses at all, and I, and I think you would agree with that. So thank you for,
4: um, you know, that clarity, King. Yeah, but, but Socrates, again, if we go door to door to these black apartments.
0: Nah, uh, yeah, we good. Apartments. I got you, bro. Right, I right? the I got you. No, I, I'm not disagreeing with you on that. Yeah, well, yeah. We go, will we go continue building this tier because we're all on the same page now. So appreciate you for those thoughts, King. Hey Montoya, can I can I speak to yeah, uh, ahead, Ashley's please. last comment real quick? Yeah, please do.
3: Yeah, so I, I want to talk a little bit about Ashley's passion, right? Because um, I hear where she's coming from, and I've, I've worked with Ashley, you know, in the past, and I know she's all about education. When you look at it from an insurance agent's perspective, we talk to a lot of people, right? So a good average, a good agent closes about twenty five percent of their business. So if you talk to 100 people, you're going to get probably 25 cases out of that. So
1: we deal with a lot of
3: rejection. We deal with a lot of excuses. And a person like Ashley that knows how important this is to change, you know, future generations by simply putting something as basic as a life insurance policy is sometimes it comes off, you know, like she's being pushy. But again, being that I've worked with her in the past, I know that it's not one of the unique opportunities we have as black agents when we go into a home is a lot of times our relationship with our client is different than some other business opportunities, right? We're more than just an agent. A lot of times when we go into the house to Shay's point, you know, we, we help people find ways to, you know, get food. She was talking about a lady eating cat food, right? So, you know, I've gone in houses where people had, leaky roofs or their floors were caving in where I had to get on the phone and try to find people to come out and service them. So I just wanted to kind of talk to a little bit about why I think Ashley is as passionate as she is because we put a lot of energy into the people that we try to help outside of just selling a policy, if that makes sense.
0: No, absolutely. No, absolutely. And and again, I I appreciate her passion wholeheartedly or whatever because I back up It is a necessity, and that's part of, in my opinion, part of the mental shift that, in my opinion, that Shay alluded to, is the mental shift to place the correct amount of importance on it so that almost like that concept of for places like in the South where you almost have to have a car to get to a job, you know, there's better public transportation in the Northeast and things of that nature, but in the South – you know, somebody having that beat up car sees it as a necessity. And to her point, and I wholeheartedly agree, that we need to look at life insurance that way and not just barrier insurance like y'all mentioned. There are some other products that people can make do if they saw it as a necessity. So, and that's her bigger point, which is the point that I wholeheartedly agree agree with. And that's and that's why, as you T, I I appreciate her passion for that reason. In my opinion, we're just walking through sharing that it's necessary. That's the dialogue that we're having now based on this assessment of where we are versus why are we that way let's here we are that's the assessment. Let's keep building on that, if you will. We're about to hit the top of the hour. Say if you'll give us a you know a thought before we go to the top of the hour. I want to start to getting into some specific things, even above and beyond insurance. Um, you know, even if it's not specifically in your wheelhouse, in your each of your wheelhouse, just dialogue about these other instruments, uh, such as a will, if you will, and things of that nature. Because many people think, well, I don't have much, so they don't prioritize it. So we do want that mental shift for people to understand how these vehicles can serve them, even if they, quote, unquote, don't have much. But your thoughts, um, you know, any closing thoughts to what you've heard, what the brother had to say? we got a couple of minutes before we go to the top of the hour break.
2: I'll just, just say, listen to everything. I think about this concept of redefining the black agent. I think every community has its differences. And in line with celebrating those differences, we also need to support those differences, and we have an opportunity to do that um, as black agents and black advisors.
4: No, I,
0: no, I love it. I love it. Um, I highlighted this going into the um, show, How I, just again, a perspective. In 2019, 30% of white, white households receive an average inheritance of nearly 200,000. In pointing out that number, um, that being 70% didn't, because a lot of times, even when we start, even I know, Shay, you hate these comparisons, but again, it's just, in a sense, putting in perspective, a lot of times we'll make assumptions about that community to say, look look at what all of them are doing. Even in that situation, it's not all of them, if you will, right? There's 30% that are getting 200K. Now, based on our real-life assessment, there's 10% of our households that receive an average of 100000 So when we come back from this break, we want to see what it even looks like to be able to even give that 100000 if at this point, if it's only 10% of our households. Our goal is to move that 10% up and to move that 100000 up, and there are plenty of tools and vehicles we can use to do that. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think.
6: Hey, where did you get that hat and t shirt? I like that. Oh,
0: I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right?
6: Yes. And I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh?
0: That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneur spirit, and what I like the most. It's more than a brand, it's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out.
6: If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong?
0: Or how about this one? Excuses made $0 an hour.
6: I like those. What's their IG?
0: At moneymotivation.co
6: But do they have any ladies gear? Yes,
0: you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, Pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go,
5: go, and everywhere I be,
0: be. I don't even talk, talk. They still go with me, because I look like money.
5: we got to recognize that wealth is intergenerationally created. Most people who get rich don't get rich in a lifetime. Oprah, that's once in a while. Bill Gates, that's once in a while. Most people are intergenerational wealth. That means what? That if black people want to catch up, we have to start saving wealth and passing it to the next generation. Our biggest problem ain't that we're splurging is that every time we splurge, we're stealing from our descendants. You're giving them no inheritance to get started with. But the white child, they're starting out $100,000 plus, a million a million dollars plus. And I think we have to become more strategic in the way that we do our health plan as well as our life insurance plan. Because what I'm learning with a lot of these white folks, a lot of them are getting their first, uh, uh, what you want to call a shock of wealth, through the life insurance policy of their family. So there's so many different strategies towards wealth that we're not even thinking about. Because black people are selfishness, it's also based on our what you want to call it emergency consciousness, survival instinct. We're only worried about our life, we do not think about those who come after us.
0: Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, aka Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question Grandpa, will I have an inheritance? Special guest, Society of Black Ages. Shay Norman, as well as T Priesters, I replay the cut for Umar for those who may just be tuning in. If you're out there to, listening and want to get in on this morning's discussion, please give us a call at 646 787 1691. Again, that's 646 787 1691. You do have to press one to let us know you want to speak. And so, I would like to now just have some dialogue and whatever information y'all can give on these subject matters, if you will. Um, again, knowing your expertise, if you will, in life insurance, but just the idea of a will. Um, I've experienced this in my family where, um, someone had a will and experienced some in a situation where someone did not. And um, quite often, I think the thought process. Again, we want to dialogue about changing the mindset on these. In general, the thought process for many is, I don't have much. And that is, in my opinion, a very short-sighted perspective, and I would assume so for each of you as well. And so, you know, obviously you're not necessarily administering a will, but, Shay, knowing that you do, in a sense, finance and and life coaching, um, what's your dialogue about someone out there that may be saying, well, I I, want to get a will, but I don't know if I have enough. On uh, What type of things are they not thinking about that are included typically in a will that regardless of, quote, unquote, how much you have, why it still ends up being a necessity in your opinion based on a lot of the work that you've done?
2: Well, in my opinion, um, what you have, no matter what it is, you want to give it direction, you know. Um, and, again, I know I talk a lot about mind shifts, but here's the bottom line, and we know it. Some will and some won't, right? So cer- certain things we are, as as those who want to see change, there are things that we are not in control of. We can do our part. Uh, but, it, it, like I said, it has to be the person that says, okay, I do have people I care about. I do have um Charities or or someone that I want to that I want to be a recipient. I choose to make sure that I direct the flow in this way or that. Um and and you you said it before the break. That's not even necessarily a. That's not just a black or a white thing. You said thirty percent. Um I think of white households. You know, expect the two hundred k. I was reading an article that says. Um, 68% of millennials overall are expecting an inheritance and only 40% will get it. That particular one wasn't broken down by color, but we can just apply what we know um, mm-hmm. to that to break those numbers out. So with a will, I mean, it's 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 as easy as going on, not that I'm promoting this company. Well, I'll just say there are online companies. You can go on and just do a very quick questionnaire. If you value you know, whatever it is that you have, even if you don't know and haven't done a good assessment, it can take you all of 10 minutes to start looking at, you know, the direction you need to go in and what it takes um, to put together a will.
0: To right. Let me, with, let me, you, th- you don't
2: have to have your own attorney to do that. Yeah.
0: Let me throw this out because, because my question is more or less for the person who says, I don't have much. So, so that's mm-hmm. very different like, than the, those that will and those that won't I'm trying to dialogue with the Person who's, who who Doesn't even think they need it There are aspects of Wills that a lot of people don't think About I'm talking about typically When you go to do estate planning And once you do will you get into the power Of attorney you get into these other aspects That the reason somebody sometimes Is not doing well, the will is true. because the, so, okay. I, so you should so So it's like the dialogue the living the will. So
1: you're, you're getting
0: yeah, yeah. Who, who think they don't have enough? What do you? What would advice would you give the person who thinks they don't have yeah. enough?
2: A- absolutely right. There, even even if you don't think you have enough "quote unquote" assets, you still have you. And there's a part of a will that is called a living will, and there are decisions that have to be made that, that may have to be made even on your behalf. And for the best quality of life, you'll need a will for those things. Hopefully that helps address some of what you were. Yeah, definitely. Looking yeah, to okay.
0: Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I, yeah, because again, that's that's cause again, to me, that's part of the mind shift. Right? Is mm-hmm. some that some that won't, as you said, some will, some won't. But some that won't are not realizing there's aspects within the will that had been right. known, they may have done it. Because the assumption is, if you don't know a lot about wills, is oh. I don't have enough assets, so the only reason they're not doing it is because they're unaware of aspects within it. T um, anything else? Right. The... Hang,
2: hang on. Oh, before ahead. before you bring him on, let me just say this: It's so okay. interesting because I, when you ask that question, my mind is instantly split because I'm I'm dealing right now, and I hope my parents hear this. One day, I did send them this, but I'm dealing with them right now, trying to get them to sit down and finish their will. So when you said that. It just was very personal to me. Like, I wish, you know, I'm literally going to have to end up doing it for them because it's just that important to me. But anyway, um, I digress.
0: No, that's a, no, that's a great well, – it's not a digress because what you're talking about is what I'm talking about, right? Like, even in getting them to sit down because here's, again, this is mental dialogue. So part of our dialogue is – What you're experiencing, even with your own parents, let's talk. You know, I don't know. You know, you don't get into your personal business, but you'll understand where I'm going when I go here. So the deeper dialogue is you as a all this history, as a financial person who they love you dearly, and you're still having some of the same issues that where where again what what to me makes this conversation worth it because part of that issue, if I had to guess, again. Having talked to a bunch of therapists, I'm not a therapist, but when you get into the psychology of it, sometimes this may not be your parents' issues, but this is, again, what, in my opinion, why it's worth talking about. Sometimes, and this is what I've experienced in my own family, again, having someone who's left the will, took care of their business, and someone who quite often talked smartly about finances, and actually we, we were surprised they hadn't taken care of their business. And part of that issue, we now understand was sometimes even sitting down to do a will forces people sometimes unfortunately to think about their end and the psychology of that can be overwhelming to where they don't actually take the steps so to me that's part of our dialogue today versus just simply the nuts and bolts that yeah it's easy to go do online but Taking care of our community, knowing that these blocks are there, again, not just for black people, but sometimes they can be exaggerated for good reason. To me, that's the deeper dialogue because, again, you are a professional. You would assume your parents are going to listen to you easily, and even you're having this trouble. So I thank you for highlighting that, and if you could just give me an additional thought about that because again i'm going into the psychology and the mindset shift that this conversation requires because if it was just easy as giving people the numbers and this is what it would do for you we wouldn't have these fights so go ahead queen just a couple more thoughts and t i would be very interested in in you know maybe you having examples of the work you've done of people having to get them over that mindset shift to even think about inheritance go ahead queen
6: yeah
2: I'll, i'll just follow that up thank you thank you for that um i'll follow it up by saying when I said I'm going to have to do it for them, like, I literally am. And and, and it's not even like they're, they're not going to fight me on it. Um, sometimes you just, you just, you just, uh, again, we're talking about a shift. I just know I have to do it, and I'm okay with that. Um, but, you know, every family has different makeup. And depending on, you know, that family's makeup, there are different blocks. Sometimes, sometimes they're just a mental block to getting certain things done. And even within that family, that family is made up of individuals. Individuals have their different nuanced blocks. So it could be any number of things that's holding people back um, from completing such an important thing. But in my in my situation. I, I've gotten down to what the solution is and that's just what it is and I'm okay
0: with that. No, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I know, I'll just highlight even my grandmother real quickly. Um, she just trusted me to the point where it was just like, okay, whatever, he, you know, he says and we just did it, right? So it was easy in the sense that you know, just like and like your parents are like, they're going to do they're going to just listen to you because you have the background so it's so dope, you know what I mean? So I definitely respect that. Um, T, any thoughts to You know, this dialogue, again, any aspects that you can think of that people don't always think about inside of a will other than this, do I even have enough that's worth giving so they won't take the time to do? Because a will has, um, you know, other aspects. I was hoping to have another guest who could go through the details, but we weren't able to get them on. And so I'm just, you know, having y'all guests I was just a guess, but just for what you can recall, any other aspects of the will specifically, which is a tool to leave an inheritance, but for the person who's thinking, yeah. I don't have much, what other aspects are typically dealt with that you could think of, or maybe there's just, Shays already mentioned it, um, anything else you could think of that people don't consider for why they still should sit down and, and consider having a will?
3: Yeah, you know, you, you mentioned it in your personal situation. I think a lot of times, we don't account properly for the things that we do have. Right. So I can think of personal situations where I've had a family member pass away. They didn't have a will. And it's interesting to watch how family members fight over what's left behind. I'm not talking about life insurance. I'm talking about something as simple as a TV, the sofa, Mm
10: -hmm. who has Mm -hmm. access to
3: the bank account, who's getting the car, you know, who gets the house. So in my experience, you know, there's two things that a lot of times we don't talk about enough as families and, you know, money. And the second one is you're talking about now as a will, like, and I found that it's simply because people don't feel comfortable because they haven't done enough in those areas to make sure mm-hmm. that things are right. Like people don't like, like talking about their money. They don't like you digging into their finances. I mean, I have this conversation with my own family, a like, lot. like, where is your policy? We I'm the insurance guy in the family, and I'm still having to have these battles sometimes with my own family to say, mm-hmm. where's the policy? You know, where is the will? You know, you, we, we have things that need to be taken care of for you, and I don't know where anything's at, and I went through personal situations. You know, I lost my grandmother about 10 years ago, and um, she, she had Alzheimer's, and I mean, her mind mm-hmm. went quickly, mm-hmm. and... You know, it was a struggle to find out where all our stuff was because our, her mom was gone. So, you know, we're, we're trying to figure out this, trying to figure out that, trying to find this mm-hmm. and that. And it was, it was really difficult because, you know, my grandma was born in 1918. She's straight old school. She didn't talk about money at all.
0: Right. You know, you think
3: about the conversations, unfortunately, some of us grew up with around money where, you know, adults didn't have money conversations with us. You right. know, when they started talking money, we had to go somewhere else. Again, a lot of it is because of shame, but we never got into those conversations. So now, here we are, a generation or two later, and we kind of still operate in that same dealing way. with that we're shame,
0: not. yeah, yeah
3: exactly. exactly, dealing with so, that
0: shame. And, and and to me, I'm we're to forget the break. That's why I'm jumping in. Sorry, but um, to me, sure. yeah, to me, the shame is part of the assessment of how to improve this conversation for us to even recognize. We're still operating similar to that. Maybe a little better. There's more information on the Internet or whatever, but quite often even running to the Internet is still not your parents having that conversation. And to a degree, we know that um, people who are diligent about their money are having these conversations. So part of today's conversation is what you just talked about, just knowing where stuff is. You know what I mean? Like you could have an inheritance, and you gotta fight the government for it because you didn't quite do it right. It's yours, but just had you just known this, or had they just covered this, not this eye covered this teeth. Um, yeah, grandfather gonna give us an easy inheritance just by. Dotting the I's and crossing the T's. That's part of the conversation as well. But the bigger part of the conversation is why are we avoiding these conversations for those that are? For those that are having more power to you, more of us need these conversations. We'll be right back and listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show where all I ask. Truth seekers, please understand mental dialogue is much more than just a talk show. Each and every Saturday, we communicate with you for two reasons to dialogue and connect. On the dialogue side, we cater to you intellectual outcasts who feel you have no place for honest discourse on race, sex, culture, and African-American business. On the connect side, we've created a community where you can connect with experts specifically in finance, whether personal or business, and mental health, whether it's trauma or to optimize performance along with all the other skill sets from other MD community members. Our mission was to create a virtual nationwide neighborhood where African Americans learn to trade ideas, goods, and services through social media, meetups, and this podcast. To become a neighbor of the Mental Dialogue Community Club, please visit us at mentaldialogue.com. We are better with you than we are without you. We can be neighbors even though we don't live next to each other. Hashtag raise the culture. LNG Technology Services, we are your industry leader in aircraft and heavy equipment repair services. In commercial business, for over 15 years, LNG technicians have over 150 years of equipment-specific knowledge and are known industry-wide for returning worn-out, broken, and overused ground support equipment back to the user in working better than new conditions. For a service job done right at a value unparalleled in the industry, contact LNG Technology Services at 478 781 4860. Again, for a service job done right, that number is 478-781-4860. LNG Technologies is a Mental Dialogue Gold member and proud sponsor of the Mental Dialogue community. If you have a product or service you would like to get out to the smartest audience in all of radio, please contact me again directly at 404-604-9477 or DM me on social media. IG is mental underscore dialogue. And let's get your product or service out to this smart audience. Again, the smartest in all of radio. Highlighting the PSA for mental dialogue. Dialogue and connect is what we do best. Just want to briefly highlight, I was finally able to meet one of my recurring guests, firstly in our early years of the show, uh, Tamika Peoples, longtime member uh, out of California's Queen actually surprised me at the live experience last night. So it was so amazing if you're out there listening to Mika to actually finally meet you in person while we've highlighted this queen on the show several times. She is the uh, first black-owned textile owner in the country since 1908, and she services her textiles directly out of, co- out of Africa at the moment, and she's currently over here in the southeast meeting black cotton owners. Farmers to start assess to start uh, assessing, um, creating a relationship directly with those black farmers. So, love highlighting the amazing people that are part of our mental dialogue community club, and we were able to highlight her last night during at the live experience. Just to throw that out there. But back to this morning's discussion. Grandpa, will I have an inheritance? My special guests are Shay Norman as well as T. Priester from Society of Black Agents. And now I would like to get into your wheelhouse specifically for both of you. Um, Let's finally move well above and beyond life insurance as the burial insurance, as even uh, the brother Nodge out of Chicago mentioned. And we've talked about this plenty of times in our own circles about uh, the history within our community of what policies were offered. And unfortunately, a lot of the things that we think about life insurance comes from that history of what Niles talked about, the walk-around insurance guy, and then you're trying to chase the money. Is it enough to even bury someone? And to a degree, we've culturally, in, in in a sense, reduced life insurance to a lot less than what it actually is. And the thing that I always love to highlight, was uh, one of my uh, former financial advisors, R.V. Macklin, talked about having an Asian mentor, and his mentor broke down. And this was the first time I'd ever heard this concept, and I'll let y'all jump in. But he just broke down that um, particular uh, mentor was a Chinese, specifically a Chinese immigrant, if you will, or whatever. But his his um, mentor broke down that in, the, in, in his culture, immigrating here, they realized the importance of how life insurance can create that wealth that we heard Umar allude to. And what happened was he said – That the immigrants may come here, start a restaurant, or start some type of business, and that first generation that gets here, and as the business takes off and they start making more profit and they start sustaining them in life, one of the first things they'll do is increase the amount, which alludes to what you talked about, T, the amount of insurance that they're going to leave to their next generation. And their goal is instead of increasing in lifestyle, they increase the insurance policy because they want to set the next generation up, ideally with a million dollar policy, if they can get to that point. And quite often the families will go in, the families will go in to ensure that the next generation starts with a high net worth passed down on top of what they've taught them if they choose to continue the family business or not. They're starting at a point that a lot of us, quite frankly, have never thought about because we didn't understand that insurance could be used that way. Um, so, T, again, you brought that idea up of you know, not necessarily buying enough, so I'll let you kind of jump in first on this one.
3: Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting um, when you talk about Harvey on how his one of his first mentors was, you know, an Asian brother, and and that's part of the problem is representation, right? Black like agents only make up about nine percent of the industry. So for me, one of my first mentors, if you've been in the business ten plus years, you probably had a mentor of a different race, right? For me, one of my first mentors was uh, a Jewish man out of out of New York, and. Just like Harvey, he shared a lot of concepts that other communities were using to protect and grow wealth. You know, one strategy is what you talked about, is ensuring the older parent, right? So we know what life expectancy rates look like. What happens is the fam- the, the children will come together and they buy multi million dollar policy, you know, on the parent. And you mentioned it earlier, sacrifice. You know, if if you get insurance on an older person, yes, it is going to cost more, but they weighed the payout, and it made sense for them to come together, pull their resources, buy a multi-million dollar policy, and when mom and dad die, the kids recruit that. That's their inheritance. Another strategy they used was on the newborn, you know, child. They yes. would buy a huge policy, and when that child turned eighteen, twenty-one, whatever it is you don't have to wait the average inheritance i think isn't paid out until most people are in their 60s right but imagine being 18 graduating from high school or 22 graduating from college and being handed you know a check for a hundred thousand dollars or whatever to go and start your life off How, how drastically different would many of our lives have been if we had access to that type of capital so you know there's a lot of different strategies again unfortunately in our community We've been taught so much about burial when you try to present something else for a lot of people, it looks like a scam. Yep. Right. So you, you think about it. Our grandparents had life insurance, but to the point that was made earlier, our communities weren't serviced like other communities, so we were underinsured. Yeah. To them, having life insurance was important because they didn't want to leave that burden to their family. So they had a policy. I talked about my grandmother. When she passed away, we found the ledger from her life insurance policy. Again, she was born in 1918, and every week the guy would come around and she would mm-hmm. he would write how much he paid and sign it, mm-hmm. and he would collect his whatever. She had this policy for decades, and it was $800. Now, luckily, we had put up, we had taken out other insurance on her. But what happens is, in many cases, people have the experience of well, my grandmother died; she only had $800.
0: Like right,
3: it doesn't work you know that mm-hmm. that that's just their relationship with it. So now when you're talking about this other stuff, they still have that bad taste Fear. of their past experience yeah. and they don't want to deal with it. So that that goes back to mindset and education and being patient because it's a process to get people to change the way they think. Unfortunately also with that is we do have some people in our community that jump at opportunities without fully understanding get burnt again, and then you have to overcome that. You know we talked yeah. about some of the they're not new, but the hot topic now is infinite banking and being in your own bank. well, if you don't understand that properly and get it set up properly, guess what and everybody's gonna be talking about infinite banking. You know, it's terrible. Again, life insurance is a scam. It, it ripped off my grandmother. It ripped off my brother when he tried to do that self banking stuff. So, a lot of it is going to take us as agents, again, a minority. We only make up about 9%, about 9% of the industry, making sure we take our time and educate our community on how this stuff really works.
0: No, absolutely. Shay, jump in on this thing, Queen. So you might be muted, possibly.
2: I'm talking and I'm muted. Um, right, no, Good. no, he he covered a lot and, and I don't I think we can we can turn you know, we can shift if we want, but again absolutely. I hope that everybody what everybody is getting is it's layers to this and it definitely does start with mindset. It definitely does.
0: No, absolutely, absolutely. I'll just add this very briefly again. Um if you will, just to even out a couple of details and this is very general i know you can't get specific because again everybody's individual if you will t but just a ballpark of let's say um you know i'm still looking to get married hopefully still have my first child and i definitely am aware of putting that insurance on a child and we've recommended it to plenty of people in the community club so i haven't had to do it myself but the way i understand it just a very general understanding and that's where i would like for you to give me some details before we go to break is so i'm having my first child because my child is so young i have an idea that this policy is probably going to be relatively cheap and my idea is i would pay on it till about 25 am i right in my thinking, just from a general way, general way is it going to be cheap because my child is so cheap, and why do I have access at 25 versus the typical 60 that you mentioned? If you can just kind of spell that out and then we'll go to a break.
3: Yeah, so it's cheap for two reasons. Life insurance is always cheaper the younger you buy it and the healthier you are. Right? So you got a newborn, and what you're looking at is putting money into a whole life life insurance policy, which builds cash value. Now, I just mentioned 25, you know, because after graduation, you know, you want the kid to be responsible enough to do something with the money. The financial literacy piece is a whole nother conversation. But realistically, with a whole life policy, you can take the cash value out as it builds. Now, again, Mm -hmm. depending on the size of the policy, I don't recommend that for, you know, people that got small policies, maybe 10, 20,000. Because what happens if you don't pay that back, it takes away from the death benefit. So if you got a $10,000 policy, you take out $2,000 and don't pay it back, you die with $8,000. But typically what happens with these, what policies you're going to get, um, you'll be able to see the cash value growth in the policy when it comes out. So you'll know exactly how much you should earn year after year after year. right? So by the time that kid is 18 or so, You're going to have an idea of how much cash value is in that policy, and you can pull that from the policy and give it to them, you know, to use as you all see fit, down payment for a house, pay for the first year of college, you know, business, car, whatever. So, again, yes, if you buy it when they're young and healthy, it's always going to be less expensive, and it gives you more time for that growth to do things that you want to do with the cash value in it.
0: Right. So um, I think off the top of my head, I'm just – roughly using a number or whatever i think i pay say like i'm just gonna say a broad number i pay a hundred dollars a month i'm just throwing it out for my whole life not my real number if i was my parents did this for me when i was one year i was a baby born i could get the they could get the exact same policy i have is that my understanding when you say whole life it could be a whole life it's just on a baby so I could probably expect it the cost to be half of that, or maybe even less, right? I'm a baby is that again I know you can't. these are not exact numbers, but just giving a general ballpark of how significant that difference is as you know me getting this policy at twenty two versus getting at a baby just I just wanna throw out roughly that the the like a percentage wise the difference of what that might look like is that you know yeah, it's, I mean? it's, it's gonna out.
3: be it's gonna be yeah it's gonna be drastically different i mean you you see the commercials with companies like Gerber or whatever. I mean, some mm-hmm. of those policies for $10,000, you know, started like $2 a month. Yeah, so, yeah. for for a baby or, or someone really young getting that versus somebody 45 or 50 getting that, I mean, you, you're talking about, and again, I'm just throwing this off the top of my head because, you know, there's tons of different carriers with different numbers, but you're going to be paying way more than $2 a month. I mean, right. you'll probably at least be at 40 or $50 a month off the top of
0: my head. Right. But what I really want people to hear is we don't realize they're giving the exact same policy to the baby as they are to the adult. That's something that's never crossed my mind until I heard about that. You see what I'm saying? Like, I'm thinking, oh, is that a different type of policy? Because if if we're still learning about the products, we didn't realize we could really give our baby the same thing we're thinking about, like, oh, I want to leave my kids something. We never think about taking it out on the kid and taking advantage of the cash value. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think.
9: Do you need marketing designed specifically to compete in today's digital age? Well, look no further than Edge Digital Business Solutions, a marketing agency that's well-equipped to provide solutions to the challenges faced by businesses looking to acquire and retain customers in today's ultra-competitive marketing world. Whether it's video creation, website or logo design, mobile app development, social media and email marketing, or e-commerce design and development, Amorej Digital Business Solutions has the answer. Visit them at That's emorejdb.s.com. That's dot com, Or call 864-221-3632. That's 864 864- 221 3632 Emorege Digital Business Solutions. We're the solution to your marketing challenges.
0: If I could highlight my sponsor, Emorege Business Solutions. If you go to mentaldialogue.com and you like what my, how my site looks, because I am proud of it, I'm putting it out there. If you go to mentaldialogue.com, they did my website. Definitely look them up and consider them to build your website and all other type of digital business solutions. I definitely um, love having them as a sponsor and having built my website. Today's discussion, grandpa, will I have an inheritance special guest? Shay Norman, as well as T priester from society of black agents and continuing this conversation. I would hope to talk about estate taxes with the accountant, but we were able to get them all, so I'm going to skip over that I don't want to speak incorrectly about any of that information. The only thing I'll highlight about the concept of estate taxes uh, for those, if you're just now hearing that term, if there is significant real estate earned, owned, a lot of times, and, and believe it or not, every accountant won't put you on this game. There's a lot of lot of stuff giving away in taxes Especially when it comes to real estate, if you don't structure wills and inheritance correctly, a lot of people give away a lot. So, you definitely want to dig into estate taxes. Here's another concept for inheritance, and I don't know how much each of you know about it, but I'll start with you, Shay. But the concept of a life insurance trust, um, I don't know if you can speak to that or what you know about that, but if you will, Queen, just kind of throw out your thoughts. Matter of fact, let me read. Um, the little information, just the idea of saying what it is, and then you can give us your thoughts on it. Hold on one second. Um, and this is just a brief, brief. Um, you can, this is just something that I got from, um, I forget, what, I don't see the site name right now, but this is just making reference to a life insurance trust. You can create an irrevocable life insurance trust to remove life insurance proceeds from your taxable estate. An individual creates a special kind of trust. That is designed to officially own Officially own life insurance policies The proceeds of any life insurance Policy owned by this trust Would not be subject to the Estate tax at the Individual's death Shay any thoughts on you know give us some more Explanation on that for anybody listening
2: Um, I think the, The short explanation you just Gave you know is spot On the thing to remember about A life insurance trust if that is no, the thing to know about life insurance trust, and you should look into it in reference to estate planning. Um, you know, the trust ends up becoming the legal owner of the policy, and you know, like you touched on, as as a result of that, the proceeds aren't counted toward your estate. You know, um, when you pass away, and so it's it's just very one of those one of those very smart money moves that if you work with an agent normally agents are attached to attorneys um who do deal with estate planning and i think it's just good to have those people in place to dive into this deeper but yes yeah, a really smart money move to make Yep,
0: yeah, um a couple of thoughts i can ask and T. maybe you can jump on this and shay jump back in if you want to add anything but just a couple of things even in the definition let me get some throw out some details again um irrevocable life insurance trusts. Explain that to you from your understanding and then say you can add to it as well.
3: Yeah, so typically when you're having those conversations is usually for my higher net worth clients because life insurance has certain protections already built in, right? It doesn't go through probate. It passes to your heirs tax-free. So there's a lot of benefits already built into a policy, but you know, to Shay's point, a lot of times when we're having those conversations, we will bring, you know, a CPA, an attorney into that conversation because that person usually is has a lot of moving pieces that they're putting into that trust outside of just the policy. So it's not really as simple as, you know, the day-to-day conversations we have with our average client, you know, about finding out. You know, how much they need, what they're looking to do with the insurance, that's more of a nuanced conversation where you have to bring in a lot more parties to make sure that that trust is set up right, because if it's not set up right, it's going to cause a lot of problems. And the last thing you want is for your client to think their money is protected in a trust and it not be set up right. You know, all of a sudden they're having to fight, you know, because things are in probate or haven't been, um, you know, divvied out the way they want it to have been passed down to their heirs.
0: Sounds good. Shay, anything you want to add to that, or is that good? No, I think we're good on that point. All right. Let
2: me so I know you this.
0: want. Specifics. It's kind of hard to give. So no, no, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm specific. not even tripping. Trust me, I would still be asking you if gotcha. I was in this situation. You know, you know, I, you know, me, I'm gonna ask. This, now that was fine. I wanted to go to another yeah. part of the, um, this definition, just again for clarity, from my own personal clarity. So assuming others might you know, want to hear a little more about this just to make sure we're understanding it. And so, um, so you've already kind of alluded, um, typically when you start getting into this level, you're looking at your higher net worth people, as you said, because for the most people, life insurance already covers some of what you're concerned about. Um, but if I could just, again, Chase, you know, mentioned it was a smart money move, so I'll go back to you on this. Uh, but what it says, um, the idea of efficiently, Owning life insurance policy. Uh, when you hear that, efficiently own, own, to efficiently own life insurance policy. What does efficiently mean to you? You know, from someone inside of the industry, whereas that's just a general word to me. What detail makes it efficiently versus uh, me? Maybe, maybe some mistake I might make, or if I fail to make a smart money move, how, how is doing it this way more efficient? If that makes sense.
2: Well, to operate a life policy efficiently, number one, from the onset, you know, from the moment that you have it, you need to understand the policy, right, understand all the benefits of the policy. And generally speaking, those those benefits are going to correlate with what you need in your life, you know, coverage for children, uh, funds to be able to accumulate for maybe uh, retirement income. So you want to understand the, the parts of the product first. That's going to help you to be to know what to do. After that, I, requ- I I strongly suggest that if you get started, find an agent you know who can really help you to understand the policy and just help you to be accountable to that part of your financial plan and have an annual review, a minimum of an annual review. You can really forget. You can understand your policy right off, even if you have the best explanation, you know, from the onset. Over the years, you're going to forget, and you can't be efficient if you really don't remember what it it does. Yeah, I, I just had a client I talked to last week, and we have, you know, had, you know, some reviews, but Sometimes when you're just too busy, you may say, oh, I'm going to put it off. But he called me about an annuity, and we had to really go back to, no, we got to have annual reviews because you don't understand. You've forgotten how this works. And I had to bring up a lot of our first conversation, which was all documented, and, and he really, mm-hmm. you know, I had to bring him back. So mm-hmm. what I would say is using it efficiently means understanding the ins and outs from the jump. No question is a bad mm-hmm. question. This is something that you own and you should be controlling. So when you get that explanation of what it is, it's best to have an agent who you can communicate with on a normal basis and then have those um, annual reviews. I mean, you can still have an annual review just by calling the insurance company and talking to someone in their customer service um, department more and more, they're getting better and better and better uh, at customer service. um, In my experience with some of the carriers I work with. So, It's that, it's putting a reminder in your phone if you're somebody who is really, really looking at your money, you know, and you like to do these reviews. Maybe you would do one, you know, every six months if you have some cash value um, life insurance. But those are two really, really important ways to do it and, and really match up the features of the product with your life. How can I use this? What does this look like in my life? My agent said I can do this, but what in my life, what goal do I have? That I can attach that to and make it real.
0: Now, I, I love this dialogue because I, I, I liken it to just this: simply hearing to have a yearly review and, and highlighting something you said earlier. Some people will, some people don't. Some of the people that will will come from you highlighting. You should do that. I've never heard that ever in my life. Mm. Interesting.
2: Wow, oh, that's amazing. And but the, but here's this part that's really you just really that that really shook me because you just spoke earlier of your previous financial advisor and no no shade to that person but with with as much as you talk about life insurance and promote life insurance and, and agents I'm baffled
0: so let me say this real quick just to be fast to my specific situation at the time that got done cuz it was cuz of his approach I wasn't connecting it to, so for me it was like oh, I will have this new experience. This is just how he approaches it, and we wasn't only talking about life insurance. So I wasn't connecting it to, hey, here's your yearly review of your life insurance. And so when I get moved to another agent who's not doing it, I was I never connected the dots. Does mm-hmm. so
1: that?
0: So, yeah, so, and so and I'm, I'm
2: calling that out, I guess, to say, or just to just to highlight. And I was just giving well, that was my up. natural reaction. But yeah, but yeah, I'm not I'll even just...
0: defending. Uh, yeah, I'm not even defending my specific situation. I'm just showing you even the psychology of me getting that type of service briefly for a few years, right? And so when I got to another agent who didn't, I never connected it to. I should be asking. So I'm just throwing, showing it. you the. The so whole whole oh uh, yeah yeah, 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 so the call out's perfect because of the dialog no, no, no. We have let me now. let me
2: let me be let me be clear, yeah. the call out is specifically for the listeners who Absolutely. Um, you know may have had the same experience where you've Absolutely. had agents or you've had you know an advisor, and don't and, and not don't let it sound like I'm screaming from the top of a mountain like. I I have missed the opportunity, especially in my earlier years, of offering, or not even offering, but even making sure it was on my calendar, right, to call that client back in 12 Mm -hmm. months. And so I think, again, speaking to one of the things that have been underlined in this this conversation is your relationship with the person who is advising you. This is not a transactional thing, right? We're talking about insuring your life, um, insuring your loved ones. So that relationship is important, not only am am I, what I like to see us as clients put on our calendar as a reminder to have that review, but also as an agent, make sure you're utilizing your calendar, you're being efficient. And, and making sure you're checking back in, it's it's on both parties. So Yeah,
0: absolutely. And, and yeah, so, yeah, yeah, and I'm loving it. I've um, got to go to another break. I think this is Brother Piyanki wanting to get in, and I'll get to him after the break. And I'll just highlight not necessarily insurance-related, but in, as far as my wealth-related, like I'm in the process of tra- trying to transfer my IRA to a personal finance person that I know because of the relationship. Because, you know, unfortunately, sometimes, you know, y'all leave companies or whatever, or as y'all said, the next agent isn't efficient, or maybe I got they forgot to put me on the calendar. But because I have not heard from them, this is related to my IRA specifically. I said, I want to be moved because I got some guy that's my agent I've never heard from. I should have at least got the courtesy call that I am your new agent or whatever. Wow. I ain't even mad at the agent who left and couldn't keep me on his books. I ain't even mad at him. He could have told me. He, and then I talked to him, he meant to tell me, and it is what it is, but, yeah, the new agent has never called me, and, you know, and in part, I'm pretty sure of it's based on the amount of net worth, or whatever again, this is my retirement, so I am going to move it to someone who personally is going to give me a better assessment, but like I said, I didn't even take when I was getting that good service from Uh, You know, my financial advisor, which is, again, I'll highlight the brother Harvey did his thing with me or whatever, but when he moved on to another company and somebody else didn't do it, I still never connected it to, oh, I should be asking for a review every every month. That never connected to you just said it now, that me as a consumer, whether they're doing it or not, I could simply go, hey, give me a review once a year. And that's dope to hear y'all talk about it. Again, I think even the psychology of simple moves like that are important to this conversation. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show where all I ask is that you think. Brother will get I'll get to you coming out of the break. If anybody else wants to get in on the last segment, the number to get in is 646-787-1691. We'll be right back where all I ask is that you think.
6: if you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong?
0: Or how about this one? Excuses made zero dollars an hour.
6: I like those. What's their IG?
0: At moneymotivation.co.
6: But do they have any ladies gear? Yes,
0: you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go,
5: go. At everywhere I be, be I
0: Are you intimidated by money? While this is a question most people never think to ask themselves, but when forced to think about it, many people realize they have unrecognized fears that truly affect how they deal with money. If you want to learn more about money and the fears that keep you from prosperity, Join us for Make It Money Matter Monday, where money meets mental health with personal finance coach, Ashley Thomas, and psychotherapist, Dr. Katrina Pitt. Every second Monday of the month, find out if you're intimidated by money and what to do about it. To receive a link to this free Zoom event, please DM Making Make It Money Matter on the Mental Dialogue Instagram pages or contact 404-604-9477. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. Again, I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. So glad to be part of the Making Money Matter Mondays. You heard Ashley dip into the show in the first hour if you've been listening. Um, But she is a financial coach who helps put on Making Money Matters along with our psychotherapist, Dr. Katrina Pittman. Pittman, I am highlighting that because we are in need of sponsors. We've been able to provide this month, second Monday Mondays, free of to those who've been able to get the help that they need when it comes to mental health and money. Uh, we are very much in need of sponsors. For anybody out there that would like to support or be a part of Making Money Matters, we definitely would... Appreciate the DM or the call. Again, that number is 404-604-9477. If you are about helping our community get this type of financial literacy, not simply with the money, but in reference to mental health support with that, please give me a call. This morning's discussion question, Grandpa, will I have an inheritance? Got Brother Piyaki. Out of St. Louis, typically, but he could be anywhere in the country at this time. So, Brother Piyaki, thank you for getting in with us this morning. Give us your three cents or question you know, uh, discussion.
10: You don't have to have life insurance. You can have valuable things that we oftentimes throw mm-hmm. away. My grandson, when he's a little boy, he's got toys now that he never opened. Toys and games. Those toys and games are worth to- something. I was an avid hobbyist photographer. I bought Hasselblad cameras. I was just online today and looking at a camera that I have a Hasselblad that I paid my five hundred dollars for. It's worth thirty five thousand now. His daddy left him a nineteen sixty two Chevy Impala a Super Sport. It's in the garage. Also have a nineteen sixty seven a GTO that I paid. About $1,900 for it. Imagine what it's worth now. So things that we oftentimes throw away, like the Booker T. Washington, 50-cent pieces, George Washington Carver, 1939, 50-cent piece. Things that we oftentimes throw away or spend, it works a lot of money. The Bank of Ghana today, their treasury bills are paying 30.2292 interest a year. That's 30% interest. That's unheard of in the United States. You kind of get where I'm going?
0: Assets, conversations, asset class, focused on assets, um, major, major opportunity above and beyond, as you said, some of the discussions that we had today. So, <laughs> if you, you to go, go, Ghana, go to Ghana. In Montoya. Go ahead, Shane. Go ahead, just real quit. quick. If you go to, to, to Ghana. Let it. her jump in real quick. Brother Real quick, let her jump in. You can go right back to what you're saying. Let her jump okay. in real quick. <laughs>
2: I want to speak to that and I want to thank him. That's a wonderful segue because I was looking for an opportunity um, based on where the conversation went. This is definitely a point I wanted to make. When we talk about redefining the black agent experience, that's because that's the space in which we, you know, operate overall Mm -hmm. in a wealth conversation in an inheritance Mm -hmm. conversation. He is a hundred percent correct. And so we also have to redefine the concept of financial security and nope. what can what constitutes as an inheritance
6: nope.
2: and it's not it's not always going to be money like you said it's the things that are increased in value and you're able to pass that you know along sometimes it's not even a thing sometimes it's changing the concept you all know you and TP know I'm a real proponent of co-op where you are collectively buying and collectively passing down. Maybe our inheritance inheritance balance sheet um, as a people, like going forward generations from now, it also includes inheritance from a particular co-op. Maybe multiple children can say, a, por- a portion of my inheritance, although it may not be, you know, huge, maybe that right. came from one co-op. That says no, no, we collectively own this thing, we increase our no, in value, no, and we're able to that brother it. You
0: jump back in here, though. Yeah, you, yeah, we can keep talking about it. Go ahead, Brother I can finish up your comment as well. But but uh, clearly, Shay appreciates where you're going here, uh, Brother Pierre. Go ahead, King. Well,
10: people go to Ghana, West Africa, you should go into one of those banks, Bank of Ghana, and take out a treasury you bill know, and have it where it rolls over. I think the one that I bought was back in two, early 2000 for, you know, about five or six. 10,000. I forget. Can you imagine what this was now? That young lady said it all. Thank you very much.
0: Nah, thank you for the, the, that three cents. Um, to you, uh, with, uh, Shay, let me, I know I kind of jumped back in and let him back in. I don't know if you were finished, so I'll go ahead and finish what you were saying as well.
3: Was that me uh, or Shay Montoya?
0: I was just making sure Shay had finished what she was saying. Uh, okay. like something like, I think, okay, she got knocked out. Let me get her back in here. She's back in. All right, Shay, I know I kind of jumped okay. you back in, but I don't know if I cut off the last thing you wanted to say or not, so I wanted to make sure you finished it.
2: Yeah, no, I think I made my point, and I was just big up in what the brother was saying because he's exactly right um, in his point, and I was just expanding the conversation and Absolutely. hopefully the awareness around what a co-op is and collective ownership.
0: No, I love it. Go ahead, T. Um, yeah, any
3: thoughts, King? No, I was, I was just saying that this is the whole theme of the show. We have to get comfortable having these conversations, right? We talked about, you know, life insurance is one component, but there's several ways to build and pass generational legacy and generational wealth. So, you know, Brother Pianchi sounds like he has some some really, you know, incredible ideas. Shea has shared the co-op opportunity with me in the past. But unfortunately, again, I don't think we're, we're having these conversations enough in our family, and we need to be sharing more and more of this information so it becomes the norm
0: no absolutely anybody that listening to this and if you are fortunate enough to still have a grandparent living um ask this question and and let me be make sure i'm being clear with this um and then t you've talked about this as well and i want to i think we should highlight this very briefly we only got a few more minutes and so even though i'm saying if you're listening to this ask your grandparent i want to be realistic about that question um the reality is because we've not – we too many, not everybody, but because too many have failed to have these conversations, unfortunately, sometimes we find out some opportunities are a little too late for us. But in my opinion, if you're understanding the mindset shift that we're mostly speaking to and the conversations we're needing to have, it's worth asking the question because you may ask it to the grandparents – And if you say, okay, this is not cool for us, well, hopefully it prompts the parents or you yourself to jump on maybe opportunities that they no longer have. The insurance policy is too high. It's not enough siblings to come together and put together the money now. That may be the reality, but we can't get there if we're not even asking the questions. So, T, you always talk about Sometimes it's too late for this. We only got three minutes, so if you could just kind of jump on and kind of put a a bow on that conversation, because that is a real-life perspective. You can start these conversations, but don't stop because you're disappointed that one opportunity wasn't available to you. Go ahead, King.
3: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, sometimes it is too late. You know, I deal with clients on a regular basis that, you know, waited too long or the health condition has changed and they can't qualify for you know traditional life insurance so the, the price is unaffordable and unrealistic for them but I, I think to your point more so than trying to sell a policy is again making these conversations the norm because generations before us from my experience have not been very comfortable talking about their financial situation right so you know us making these conversations the norm so it's not even a question if if you're asking grandpa, do I have an inheritance? You know you it is coming, you're just having a conversation on you know where it is and mm-hmm. making sure that you know yeah. how to access it when that day comes that That's Absolutely. what I want the norm to be in our communities our conversation. I know it's covered like again, I hate that I have to go to family members that are older and should have this taken care of and have that conversation. I want that to be the norm. Like my kids know that when, when I'm gone, they set. I'm in a space right now where I'm having conversations with them. I, ha- I haven't been blessed to have grandkids yet, but in my will, some of my policies are now being Satisfying. skipping over my kids, going to my grandkids. Exactly. Like when you go, when it. you have kids, this policy, when I die, a portion of that is going to go to my grandson or my granddaughter because I believe in creating multi generational wealth not just for my kids but i want my kids kids who may or may not being real do what i do when it comes to you know finances and and creating wealth so i'm going to step up and make sure that one thing they know about granddad is he left me something so making these conversations more of the norm versus the exception is what i'm
0: pushing for no absolutely and we only got a minute so i didn't get to highlight over to the degree that we need to. Um, But if anybody wanted to, especially ages, wanted to get inside of your circle to get taken care of and have these conversations, how do they get in touch with society of black ages? Shay, I'll let you close out with that contact information if you don't mind, Queen. I want to
2: thank you for that. I want to highlight number one we
0: up against it. We up against it. So start the contact. The twenty yeah,
2: third. Okay. okay. So we are We Org on the twenty third. We're having an event in Atlanta. So on Eventbrite, just type in SOBA. I
0: love it. Say it again, so they can hear it
2: one more time. We got enough time for you to say it again. <laughs> <laughs> www. We are Org, and again on Eventbrite, especially if you're in the Atlanta area or can make it next Friday. We're having an event um, here in Atlanta. Just type in SOBA at Eventbrite, and you'll see Soba Blackout.
0: I will be there just throwing it out. So I would love to see some people join us for that. I will be there briefly before I have to go to work later. Looking forward to that event. See y'all next Saturday. All I ask is that you think.